Well, I'm ready to get into the Word this morning. I don't want to waste any time because I'm really excited for what the Lord has shared with me again. Uh, maybe just show of hands, who was here last Sunday? Okay, so many people, last Sunday we started talking about it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. And I said to Johannes, the Lord has really been speaking to my heart about this idea of dreaming again. Because who can agree in the last two years with this COVID pandemic and all of these things going on in the world, one of the results of going through tough times and going through strange and difficult times like that is that it has the ability to steal our imagination and our capability to dream, especially when it comes to the dreams that the, the Lord has for us. The dream and the purpose that God's got on my life and on your life can actually be stolen from us if we allow circumstances and the things of this world to actually steal it from us. Things like disappointment, things like fear, things like doubt, all those things have an ability to kill our capacity to dream. And I really felt like the Lord stirred my heart to share this with our church in this time before we head into 2022. Because normally you would think like this is a message we should talk about in January. Because right now no one wants to dream, everyone wants to sleep and rest. But the Lord warned me that if we don't talk about this right now, some people will actually go into 2022 defeated. We will actually start this next year from a place of disappointment, from a place of our hearts and our souls being confused, being sad, being dull. And the Lord says, we cannot go into a year like that. We've got to go deeper with the Lord. We've got to go to the well and find a place where we can dig deeper into the recesses of God's heart, where we can get past the disappointment of the last two years, get past the lost, get past the heartache, get past all of the failures and the things that we thought went wrong over the last two years and go into this year with a new expectation. Go into this year with a sense of faith and anticipation that it doesn't matter if the world is getting darker and darker. That means that the kingdom of God is advancing brighter and brighter. Amen? So I don't know about you, but we're not going into this year defeated. Yes, we will rest. Yes, we will sleep. Hallelujah. But we are not going in defeated. We are going in with so much faith, with so much anticipation that God is ready to move. I don't care what wife, 10th wife, I'm ready for a wave of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on. We're not going to go there in Jesus' name. And so we say that God wants to stir up our expectation. He wants to revive our faith. He wants to take us to that place where we're actually excited about what He's going to be doing, whether our circumstances change or not. That's where we get to a place of deeper maturity in our faith. And so we said last week, we looked at this scripture, Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says the following, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you know that God wants to breathe new life in you this morning? God wants to breathe always life into us. 
Amen. That's why it's called the living word, not a dead word. And in the Passion Translation, we looked at that scripture, and that's what we spoke about last week. That same scripture says the following. When hope's dream seems to drag on and on and on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. And so we spoke about between your dream and the word that the Lord gives you and the fulfillment of that, there is a delay. Hallelujah. If we know it beforehand, we can prepare for it. And then it doesn't have to be so depressing. <laughs> Amen. Last week, you also didn't look convinced, but I'm going to try my best this morning. Help us here. Okay, and so just to recap, we spoke about three particular points last week. Number one, we said that God has a dream for our lives. Okay, for some people, that is a brand new revelation. God has got a dream for your life. Another word is a purpose for your life. Another word is a plan for your life. Okay, he's dreaming something about you. There's a reason why you exist. Number two, God's dream for our lives will always be bigger than what we can imagine. Always. Always, always, always. I don't care who you are, it is always bigger than what you can ask, think, or imagine. And we looked at the life of Joseph, and we saw that Joseph, when he was a 17-year-old teenager, God spoke to him and gave him two dreams about his future. And those dreams spoke about him basically being called into a leadership position. God told him that he would be a ruler, and his family and other people that he knew would bow down to him. And obviously, he got so overexcited, and he started sharing the dream prematurely, and it landed him in a pretty, pretty bad place. But we saw that even though he thought God had just called him as a leader, God's dream for him was much bigger than that. God's dream for Joseph was actually to preserve an entire nation, which would become the nation of Israel. His dad, Jacob's family, would become the nation of Israel. So it was way bigger than the purpose and the dream that Joseph even thought that God gave him. All right? And the third point that we spoke about is that God's dream for our lives will always include delays and difficulty. This is the part we don't like. This is the part we wish we, God could just skip and we can just get straight to the dessert. I mean, God goes, no, 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 no. We've got some broccoli in mind before you get to your creme brulee. Amen. And so that is what we spoke about last week as an introduction. And again, this topic is so big. We probably need weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and years to talk about it. So I'm going to try and do my best to cover as many things as the Lord really shared on my heart and as I've experienced in my own life. Because this became a very important topic to me when I became a believer. I saw people moving in what I believed was exactly what God called them to do. Who knows that when you look at someone and you can clearly see this is what they were born to do. People who operate and who find themselves in that place have an intense peace about them, a confidence about them. There is something about that that just looks so incredible. And I remember not feeling anywhere close to that. In fact, I remember feeling actually very frustrated, very irritated, very confused as to why I was here 
What is my purpose? And I actually went on a desperate quest for the Lord, seeking Him day and night to find out why was I born? Why am I here? What am I called to do? And quite honestly, church, I want to tell you this morning, if you're not going to get yourself in a place of desperation, you're not going to find your purpose and your destiny. It's just the truth. You know, Johannes and I can encourage, your home cell leader can encourage, your team leader can encourage, but each one of us has to develop that childlike relationship with the Lord and seek Him with everything we've got. We've got to put a little bit more grit into our desperation to seek the Lord. A half-hearted, oh, maybe, well, if He maybe will tell me, then maybe. I'm telling you now, you're going to miss your destiny. Because one of the questions that we always get is, well, how do I find out what is my God-given dream? Because that's really the question that we all have. How do I find out why I am on this earth? And honestly, we can trust the Lord for prophetic words. But you know what? I, I honestly, I saw it in my own life. The way that God loves to work the best is with each one of us individually. He wants to talk to you about you. Yes, he can use people, absolutely. He can speak in many ways. We spoke about how does the Lord speak. But there is a place between you and the Lord, that place of intimacy, where the Lord loves to reveal what he dreams about us. Where he loves to tell us what does he think about us. Where does he want to see us go? What does he dream about you? Because he loves you. He created you to be family with Him, to be a son and a daughter with Him. So the best way that I can encourage us to find out what is our purpose is to start seeking the Lord with everything that you've got. And I want to say to you that as a church, we are going to go after it in this next year. I don't care what wife. We are going to go for the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says that, what is that scripture that praat van bestorm die koninkrijk? I'm looking for Johannes for a confirmation. There is a scripture that says that we storm, ons bestorm die koninkrijk. It's not a little passive exercise. Ach, miskien, ach, as jy toch wel. Nee, you've got to go for it with aggression, with passion, with desperation. That's why I want to take a lot of naps over December because we're going to run for it next year. We're going to go for it. And if you're interested to join us, then you are invited. But we're not going to kumbaya next year. Amen? I feel better now that I got that out. Okay. Now, another question that we always receive is, how do I actually know that this God-given dream or this dream and this desire that I have in my heart is actually something from the Lord? Many people ask that, and I think that's an excellent question because I also used to ask the Lord that question. I, I actually believe, like Johannes and I spoke about it a lot over the last two weeks, I believe that you'll know that your desires in your heart is a God-given dream when, number one, it actually lines up with the kingdom of God. It lines up with the kingdom of God in terms of the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, everything that we are called to do, every gift that we have, is for the purpose of reconciling mankind back to the Father. And you don't necessarily have to work in the church to do that. Hallelujah. 
actually we are the church, so it needs to be everywhere. It needs to be in politics. It needs to be in our schools. It needs to be in universities. It needs to be in the medical field. In every profession, in every area of society, we need people to walk in their God-given dreams and destinies so that more people can be reached and the kingdom can actually be established. So in other words, that desire that you have inside of you will actually have something to do with the kingdom of God. But don't get stuck on a picture of being a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor. That, that's really just the small part of it. We need missionaries and evangelists in every area of society. Amen? Number two, a God dream will actually resonate very, very deeply inside of your spirit, inside of your soul. It will be, even if you don't believe that you are able to do it, on the inside of you somewhere really deeply, it will resonate. Because God had actually planted it inside of you before you even knew that it was there. And the more time you spend in His presence, the more time you spend seeking relationship with Him, the more He will start to reveal that to you. The more aware you will start to become of what you've actually been gifted with, of what is that thing that God has placed on your heart to do. Why is it that you are here? Number three, a God-given dream is usually so big that you will need supernatural help to fulfill it. If your dream is not that big, if it's not that impossible, then dream again. Then it's possibly not the Lord's dream. Because the idea is that it is much bigger than what we are. Much bigger than what we can ever accomplish on our own. That's why we need Him. That's why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the power of the gospel to fuel us and to drive us. Amen? All right, so now today we are going to talk again. We're going to continue on the story of Joseph. And, you know, as I was studying his story again, I thought to myself, there are so many lessons to learn from this guy. And it's impossible for us to go through all of it. But I really felt specifically as I was preparing last week already that the Lord wanted to focus on this place, this thing that Joseph went through from the place where he was put in the pit from the time that he arose to his dreams being fulfilled in the palace. It's called the delay. Another word or term for this is called the wilderness, the prison, the pit, whatever you want to call it, but it's the pits. And we read through Genesis 39 or 37, I think Joseph's story starts, and we read through where the Lord gave him two dreams as a teenager. He was 17 years old, and the Lord gave him these two dreams, and he shared it prematurely with his family. They frowned upon it. In fact, the Bible says that his brothers hated him all the more as he shared his dreams because he was kind of like this you know, confident 17-year-old basically telling them that actually God picked me. You're going to all bow down to me, Sua Laka. They didn't like it. They wanted to kill him. And eventually they sold him off to the Midianite uh, traders that were passing by. He was basically sold into human slavery, human trafficking. They took him all the way to Egypt and he became a slave in Pharaoh's house under the leadership of Potiphar. Okay, so that's where we started the journey. And... What I want to focus on is what happened from the time where he started to become a slave in Potiphar's house 
until the time where he was actually appointed as the second in command, the highest authority under the king in the land of Egypt. And he became this ruler that God had prophesied over his life when he was a 17-year-old boy. It was a process of 13 years between those two events. From the time that he got his dream, 13 years until the dream was fulfilled. That's short in comparison to some other biblical characters. We don't have time to talk through all of them today. So I just want to focus on Joseph. Is that okay this morning? And so we're going to talk about that season of delay, that season of the wilderness. And you know, that season is actually a place. What is the purpose for that season? It is a place of preparation. It is a place of preparation. I want to share this scripture with you if you are taking notes. This scripture carried me through every single season where I've had to wait. It's carrying me again. Psalm 105 verse 19. And I'm going to share to you the first one, New Living Translation. It says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tasted Joseph's character. I Listen to the Amplified. The Amplified says this. Is he there? He's back. Okay, if you're taking notes, have a look at the Amplified. I think it's in the U version notes. It says this. Until the time that his word, in brackets, of prophecy regarding his brothers came true, the word of the Lord tasted and refined him. Until the prophecy about his brothers, in other words, those dreams, the word that God spoke over him, I've called you to be a leader. I've called you to do something significant for me. Until the time that word came to pass, the Lord tasted him and refined his character. And when you look at those words, I want you to underline or write down or whatever stands out to you. This really stood out to me. Number one was his word. That actually refers to the prophetic word over him, the dream over him. God can speak to you through a prophetic word. He can give you a dream personally. He can give you an impression in your heart. He can give you a scripture. God speaks to us all differently. God spoke to me through an impression in my spirit. I knew that I knew that I knew that God had called me full time for leadership in ministry. And I didn't have an audible voice. I didn't have a dream. I didn't have a prophetic word at that time. I had prophetic words after that that confirmed what God already spoke to me about. But I had a thing in my spirit that stood up one night when someone in church, we were doing Bible college, and someone said, God says there are people here called for full-time ministry. If that is you, come to the front. I don't know how, but I made my way to the front. I don't know how I got there, but something dragged me, pulled me. And I had an intense desire, and I thought to myself, I am either crazy or God is speaking to me. And I went with the faith option, <laughs> because the, the latter is also true. And so, you know, God can speak through whatever way he wants to, but you can ask God for confirmations. I spoke to someone this week, and she said to me, well, how do I know that I know that I know? And I said, well, write it down. If it resonates in your spirit, if it excites you, 
If it lines up with the kingdom, then most probably it's the right direction. Write it down and ask the Lord to give you confirmation. He's faithful. It's not some hide and seek game where he wants to hide your purpose from you. He just wants you to come after it. And so that is important. The word refers to the prophecy. Number two, the word tasted. And this is where we're going to park this morning. That word tasted, the Lord tasted Joseph's character. That word in the Hebrew is actually translated goldsmith. It's translated refiner. It's translated as melting, purging away, testing, and to prove true. When God calls us, we need some work. Yes, God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like that. He will take us through a process of developing our character, of preparing us for that specific dream, that specific calling, that specific mission that he's dreamt up for you, that he's created you for. But the problem is, some of us think that we can rely on our giftings and our abilities to sustain the anointing. And God says, no, it doesn't work like that. We never want to go to a place where our gifting and our anointing cannot be sustained by our character. That's why you see so many people in the body of Christ falling. Why are these leaders falling? Sometimes we don't allow the Lord to prune us, to shape and refine our character for what is needed for where he's taking us. We do not want to be in a place where our character cannot sustain the gift upon our lives. Because the reality is we've all been born with redemptive gifts. In other words, things that are natural personalities. It's just the way we are wired naturally. And then we all receive gifts from the Holy Spirit. And all those gifts are irrevocable, the Bible says. In other words, you have it, you can operate in it. It doesn't mean you've got the character to operate in it well. And God is interested not in how well you can move in your gift. He's interested in how can your character sustain it. Because character is what will show the world who Jesus is. You can move in a gift and have very, very bad character. And actually leave a very bitter taste in people's mouths. Amen? Now, this word tasted speaks of goldsmith. It speaks of refining. Now, when you refine gold, I think we all know this process of how gold is being refined. It takes an intense heat and fire to melt the gold. And then once the gold is melted, I tried to actually get a real good, proper scientific explanation, and I got lost. So here's my easy version. <laughs> okay, I like being practical. I just want to understand it really easy. Okay, the gold melts. The impurities rises to the surface. And the goldsmith removes the impurities so the solid gold stays behind. And then in that place of being melted, the goldsmith can then shape the gold into the shape that he needs it to be. It's the same as when you crush olives. How do we get the anointing? You have to be crushed first for the oil to drip out. Amen? That's the process no one likes, but it's the process that we will need if we actually want to walk 
in the destiny that God has for us. So God does the same with us. He's the goldsmith that basically comes and he gives us a promise. He gives us a glimpse of our destiny. So it gives you faith. It gives you something to hold on to. And then he says, okay, put on your seatbelt. We're going through the fire. Who's ever been through the fire? Who's currently in a fire? Okay, great. This is a great place to be. It's a painful place to be. I love how Joyce Meyer always says, you're pruned if you do, you're pruned if you don't. Either way, you're going to get pruned. It's beautiful. It's painful. Okay, so God refines us. He has to remove the impurities inside of us, inside of our character, inside of our hearts. That cannot go with us when He takes us into our destiny. We all have to go through the refining fire. So God can strengthen our character, so he can develop our anointing. Listen to this scripture, Proverbs 17, verse 3. That's also an image. Have you got that one? That's interesting. Why are the images not working this morning? Praise the Lord. All right. But it's in your version. So Proverbs 17, verse 3. In the Passion, it says the following. In the same way... That gold and silver are refined by fire. The Lord purifies your heart by the tests and trials of life. I'm going to read that again. In the same way that gold and silver are refined by fire. The Lord purifies your heart by the tests and trials of life. Write this one down as well. Isaiah 48 verse 10. In the Amplified, it says, Indeed, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested and chosen you in the furnace of affliction. Why not as silver? Because silver actually doesn't need the same amount of heat in the fire than gold does. Gold is more precious. Gold is more valuable. You and I are the most valuable of God's creation. We are the only part of God's creation that were created in the image of God. And so therefore, he wants to take us through the refining fire. I'm going to ask the team to play a short clip. It's from Messenger International. It's also a ministry in the U.S. And it really describes this idea of the furnace and the goldsmith shaping us. Let's see if the video works. Let's see if you can pray for the video to work. What the guys can do, maybe in the background, is it's, it's saved in, if there's another way that you can bring it up maybe later, you can just give me a hands up if it's ready. All right, so we are going to look through Joseph as an example of someone who went through the fire of affliction. And... There were three tests. There's obviously a lot more tests, but there were three specific tests that I looked at when I read through his story where I felt exactly the same in many of my journeys with the Lord so far. And I know that there is more to come, praise the Lord, where specifically it focuses on 
these three tests. And I reckon all of us will go through these tests at some point in our lives. So it's good to be prepared for that. Amen. Three tests that Joseph had to face and pass before he was promoted by God. Number one is the test of faithfulness. The test of faithfulness. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, we know. It's a characteristic that will lead to increase and promotion. And the Bible says that when we are faithful in the little things, we will be faithful with much. We will be faithful with much. And the Bible says when we are proven faithful with little, we will be put over ruler as much. Can you see that through Joseph's story? When you read through it properly, and we don't have time to read through, and I don't know if we can read the scriptures, but that's why it's good to bring a Bible to church. Even if technology fails, we still have the scriptures. Amen. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is finishing what we started. How many times do we see in the world today, and even in the church, sometimes we get excited about a project, but when the excitement wears off, we just kind of move off of it as well. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is, I keep my word, my yes is my yes, my no is my no. When I start something, I actually finish and complete it. Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't decide to drop the mission for us? <laughs> Jesus was faithful. Why should we be unfaithful? Especially if our dream is to lead people or resource or anything that is of importance to the Lord that has to do with the kingdom and people. How can God know if he can trust us if we haven't proved that we can be faithful? And that's why we talk about giving every single week because finance is probably one of the biggest tests of faithfulness and any kind of resource that we will have to pass if we want the Lord to entrust us with more. It's that simple. If he can't trust me with 10 rand, why will he allow me to be a ruler over 100 rand? If I can't be faithful with the 10 and the same with little tasks. And we speak about this with our team all the time. It's not just in church, but church is a great place to learn it. But the same with our job. I remember the Lord really speaking to me before we started this church. Johannes and I were leading different teams. And in South Africa, the Lord already shared in my heart that if I cannot trust you with the heart of one person, how do you want me to trust you with an entire church of hearts? If we can't be faithful with a little, we can't be faithful with much. We can't expect promotion without showing the Lord that we can be faithful. Amen? Joseph became a slave in Potiphar's palace. And it would have been really, really easy for him, I would think, if I was in his position. I don't think I would have had a great attitude. I'm a slave. I'm 17 years old. My family thinks I'm dead. I'm in Egypt, different country, different people. They knew that he was a Hebrew. They were pretty much despised, hated already. So he's the lowest of the low. And listen to what the Bible says. You can read in your own Bible. Genesis 39 verse 4. It says that Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight as he served him. As he served him. That word serve 
in the Hebrew actually speaks of minister. It refers to tasks to which the closest servants of God were assigned to. Significant positions of service. The same way that Moses served where he was. Joshua to Moses, Elisha to Elijah. It speaks about a yieldedness to the circumstance and to the people that you are called to serve. It speaks about servanthood. It speaks of obedience. When we go through the test of faithfulness, God will actually test, are you willing to serve under someone else's authority? I don't care how many times you've led. I don't care how many times who you are. Sometimes God will test us under someone's authority who have less experience than we do. Different belief system maybe even. Maybe even ungodly leadership. But will we serve them? And not just will we serve them, will we serve them with a good attitude? Because attitude is everything. You can be obedient and have a real stinky attitude about it. I don't think that passes the test. In fact, I know it doesn't pass the test because I've gone through that. Where my attitude sucked and the Lord just didn't release me. Until I got my act together and my attitude and my heart right and served from that place. Yielded to God's structure of authority that he gave. And it's a hard lesson to learn for many of us. Can we be obedient where we are, even if it's not where we want to be? God had to deal with me on this thing. I wanted to be in ministry with all of my heart. I had the word. I had the impression. I had the confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation. And no doors opened. Next, nada. And so I was like, I don't get it, Lord. And I was frustrated and I was irritated. And I would go to people for prayer. And I was really hoping that the, the prayer that they would give or the word that they would give would be a confirmation that it's time to go. It's time for the door to open. And nothing. <laughs> it was such a frustrating season for me. But God wanted to see, could I be faithful where I was at? Could I serve the people even if they didn't? Even serve my God. Could I serve them with the same heart and same attitude? Because the Bible says we need to honor authority. The Bible says that we need to submit where we are. Because just like Joseph, God's hand was upon him. God gave him favor and success within that slavery journey where he was at. The test of faithfulness. Joseph maintained a good attitude and he trusted God. You know, serving where you are under the authority that you are can actually release you into promotion in the spirit. That's the lesson that I had to learn the hard way. It can lead to promotion in the spirit. It can actually lead to that open door. But the longer we take to get our hearts right, the longer we will walk around the mountain. <laughs> Amen. The good news is that if you fail the test, you can keep taking it over and over and over again. The tests won't stop. They'll keep coming. The question is just, when will we pass it? 
Joseph remained faithful. Number two, the test of integrity. Integrity means honesty, trustworthiness, dependability, doing the right thing when no one is watching. Do we know that who we are in private is actually who we are? And the test of integrity came for Joseph when Potiphar's wife actually tried to seduce him. The Bible says no one of the other workers were in the house. The Bible says he was actually a very attractive young man in the prime of his youth. I'm sure Joseph had hormones. And this beautiful woman, the wife of Potiphar, came and she said, will you sleep with me? And this was Joseph's response. Let me just read Joseph's response to you. Genesis 39. I would actually encourage you to read this whole story, if you can, this week. It is so profound. There are so many lessons in this. Genesis 39. And it came to pass in Genesis 39 verse 7, after saying these things, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? When no one was looking and he had the opportunity to do something that probably no one would know about, he passed the test of integrity and it came to him more than once. And you know what is even more profound is that when he passed the test of integrity, he was actually persecuted for it. The Bible says immediately she ran because she was now offended and embarrassed because he stood to his convictions, he stood to his integrity, he stood to his faith convictions on the inside of his heart, which he already decided up front he will not, he will run and flee from temptation. And she told Potiphar and he threw him into prison. And he stayed there for a very long time. Sometimes when you do the right thing, you will be persecuted for it. That's a word for someone this morning. His honor was repaid with injustice. But verse 21 of Genesis 39 said, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And so we could see that Joseph's leadership gift even arose in the prison. Because again, the Lord was with him. He was there because he did the right thing. But now he had another test in the prison. The test of disappointment. This is the third test and the final one before we get to the end. The test of disappointment. I think I called it the test of trust either way. Your U-Vision notes might say something different. The test of disappointment. In chapter 40, Joseph is still in prison and... Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt, became very angry with his butler, his cupbearer, and one of his bakers, and he threw them both into prison with Joseph, and eventually Joseph had to serve them, 
And the Bible says that they both had dreams and they realized that Joseph was really gifted from the Lord and they asked Joseph to interpret the dreams. And the dreams actually said that one of them will be honored again within three days. He will be restored to his original position and the other one would actually be killed. And so the cup bearer was actually restored. The prophetic or the prophetic layouts of the dreams actually came true. And they were released from prison. The baker was killed. The cup bearer was restored. And Joseph said to the cup bearer, remember me when you leave prison. Remember me, go to Pharaoh, explain that I'm innocent, explain my situation. He tried to open that door in the place of his disappointment. And the Bible says, and the cup bearer forgot all about Joseph. That place of disappointment. That place where the door you thought that would open never opened. The people that you thought you could rely on, you couldn't rely on. And the Bible says in the beginning of chapter 40, I think, that another full two years passed before God came and opened the door for him to be released from prison. How will we handle the test of disappointment? You thought something was going to happen in a certain amount of time or at a certain time, and God says, no, 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 that's not my time. I am still busy refining you through the fire. I am still busy shaping you and molding your character. Is that video working or not yet? Can we try it? We're going to quickly try the video and see, because I really think it's powerful for us to have a visual way and then I'm going to pray for some people after this. It's ground down, beat down. Then it's thrown into a furnace, melted down by a 2,000 degree fire. The heat increases, impurities begin to surface. Things you never saw before, they appear. You scrape away these impurities, and what are you left with? Refined, pure gold. The trials you face as a human being are the furnace. Designed to remove the impurities in us so the only thing that remains is what was placed at the core of us, God's nature and character. Some of you are in the furnace right now. All you see is the fire. All you feel is the heat. Each day feels like a struggle and you want to give up. You want to hit the snooze button. You want to give up on that marriage. You want to quit that job, take the easy way out. But you weren't created for easy. You were created for victory. Allow what was meant to destroy you be the thing that reveals you. That trial is the very thing that is being used to develop your character. The impurities are being removed from your life. Go through the process. Welcome it. When the fires of life are raging, keep going. And always remember... On the other side of pain, on the other side of trial, is your promise. Come on. Was that powerful? On the other side of the process is your promise. One last scripture. Do we have 1 Peter 1 verse 7? I want to read to you this scripture this morning. This is Peter, and he's encouraging the believers on how the trials 
and the taste that we will face will actually shape and strengthen our faith. It'll actually take us to a place, let's read it together, where our faith is going to be strong enough, sturdy enough, like gold, purified to handle where God wants to take us. Verse 7, it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It'll bring you much honor and much praise when Jesus Christ is revealed. I want us to just close our eyes this morning and I want to pray for some people today. If you are here this morning and... Over the last two weeks, we've been journeying through the story of Joseph. And you feel like there's something in his story that you can really relate to. For me, there were many things in his story that I related to as it pertains to what I believe God dreamed for my life and is still dreaming for my life. What I believe the Lord is dreaming for this church. But I've had to learn and I continue to learn that on the way to the fulfillment of the promise, there is a process. And I believe that there are people in this room this morning where you are actually finding yourself right now in the fiery furnace. You are going through the tests. You are going through the trials. You are not actually even sure if it's the same promise that God still has. Because like Joseph, when he received the dream, the next thing that happened was in the complete opposite direction of that dream. And it stayed like that for 13 years. But I believe that God wants to remind some people this morning that I am still the author of the dream for your life. But I have to take you to the, through the fire. I have to refine you like a goldsmith refines gold so that the impurities can be removed so that I can raise you up strong so that I can shape and mold and develop your character that can sustain the huge dream that I have in your life he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are and so if that is you this morning, while no one's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. If you are in the fiery furnace right now, if you feel like, Lord, I don't actually know. Am I in the fiery furnace or where am I? I don't even know. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every hand raised this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for hearts that are just honest this morning and just saying, Lord, this is actually a very tough season right now. This has been a tough season of a few years. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, Lord. I thank you for every child of God that have said, Lord, I know you've got a dream for my life. And I don't want to live my life outside of your will, outside of the destiny, the best that you have for me. I want to become all that you have called me to be. I want to fulfill every dream that you have for my life.
I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, when I meet you face to face. I want to reach every seed of potential that you've placed inside of me. Father, I want to pray that your hand would rest upon them like it did on Joseph. Lord, I pray, in fact, that your hand would rest upon all of us. In these seasons of tests and trials and tribulation. And Father, when it feels like the heat is getting too much, Lord, that we will not quit. That we will hold on. That we would remember, Father, that you have got a great plan and you've got a great purpose. And your word will come to pass. And Father, I want to pray that you do everything that you've got planned for us. Lord, that we would submit ourselves to this process of the fire. Lord, and I pray over everyone who raised their hand this morning, Lord, would you give them supernatural grace in this season? Would you enable them through the power of your Holy Spirit to walk through the fire and to know that they will not even smell of smoke? Because you are with them. There is another one with them in the fire. Lord, but I pray that you would remove anything from us, Lord, that should be removed. Lord, that you would prune what you would need to prune so that we can grow and be even more fruitful for your kingdom. Lord, I want to pray your supernatural protection over every person, over every family. Lord, I want to pray your supernatural protection over every dream that has been released and every dream that's going to be released in the next few weeks. Lord, I pray that every single seed of every dream will receive the water that it needs. Lord, and if there's some of us that need to lay a dream down, I pray that you would show us. Another thing that the Lord also told me is sometimes the dream becomes more important than the dream giver. And I don't know if this speaks to someone this morning because I didn't actually write this down. So this is just coming now. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit reminding us that sometimes when the dream becomes our first pursuit, instead of the dream giver, that God will also ask us to lay the dream down. I had to lay more than one dream down so that the seed can die underground Because a seed needs to die before it can actually germinate and bring new life. We cannot make our own dreams come alive. Sometimes we need to bury it and allow the Lord to resurrect it in his own time. So Father, I pray for that person who needs to surrender a dream this morning. Lord, that you would give him the grace to stand up in faith and believe that in your perfect timing you will resurrect it. Lord, release your grace on your people this morning. Help us to walk strong with our heads held high, knowing that the fire will produce in us that character that you desire. I pray that we will experience your presence in the weeks to come, Lord, like we've never done before. I pray that you would help us to pass the tests of faithfulness, Lord, that we will pass the tests of integrity, That we will do the right thing when no one is watching, knowing that you are always watching. That we will pass the test of disappointment. That you would help us to process our disappointment in a healthy way and in a quick way, Lord, so we can move on 
to everything that you've got for us. And I want to pray a special blessing over every person in this room this morning and every person watching online. We thank you that you're a good God and that you're a faithful God. Thank you that you love us. Come and have your way inside of us. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.